Well, I had it on mute there for a second. Uh, we live to die another day. What do we say to the God of death? Not today. Listen, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> it's funny that I'm saying that because I had lost all hope and I still don't feel very confident, but I had no hope after game four. Um, didn't even think I was going to watch game five. I watched game five and I left game five with some false hope, you know, so we'll talk about it. The Knicks win game five, 112 to 103. Let's get into this episode, episode 523. Talking some Knicks. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, Ernie, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Time! creates, and showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! All right. All right, we are one game away. From game seven. We, we just need to force that. Um, like I said, I've got the false hope thing going on right now, right? I am, um, it's the old, um, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Uh, this is not what I wanted, but it's kind of what I wanted at the same time. But yeah, the Knicks are dragging me back in a little bit. Um, they won last night, 112 to 103. After a terrible first quarter, um, they come out hot in the second with, with some like 18-2 run. And they hang on to that the rest of the way and they, they play good basketball. Um, completely different game from the Knicks than you, uh, than you saw really in the first four games, win or lose. They looked like a different team. They were knocking down shots. They were playing good defense. Um, well... I didn't love their defense at times. Um, but at the end of the day, 103 points is, is is good defense. There were some open looks that didn't drop. But we'll talk about all that stuff. Um, and let's get into it right away. Um, I, I don't even want to, you know, that, that'll be your quick recap of the game. Because I don't want to dive too into that. I just want to get to the specifics of this ball game. Um, and if you're watching the video format of this podcast, episode 523 of BD4, uh, if you notice me looking up every once in a while, it's because I'm watching the ninth inning, torturing myself, watching the rest of this Yankees game where they're down 8 nothing to Tampa in the ninth inning. So, uh, you know, it's funny. We all thought they were uh, back after a cute little series against the AA Oakland A's, but no. Um... They start off this massive series with just being the same team they've been all year and for this for the last six years. Um, so let's talk Knicks. Hey, listen, I want to get the bad out of the way first. Um, 
a few things. For one, if the Knicks want a fighting chance in the game against Miami tomorrow night, the second chance points need to improve. They need to get the second chance points back into their own favor. I don't know what's going on there, but it feels very Clevelandy, where the Knicks are now the team getting bullied around on the glass and, and they just they're not capitalizing on second chance points right now. Now, last night we were grabbing rebounds. We you know, we out rebounded Miami by like sixteen. Um because yeah, you're putting together a fake little rally in the bottom of the ninth. We out-rebounded, out-rebounded Miami by 16. We were a plus three on the offensive glass. But we still lost the second chance battle 21-12. to 12, Which tells you that they were grabbing the rebounds. They were doing the first part, but they weren't cashing in. They weren't taking care of that second part. Um, and that's something we've got to fix up. Timely baskets, timely stops. We've got to limit the damage on second chance points and create our own damage on second chance points. So that's the the one thing I want to get out of the way. Another thing, secondly, is on the offensive side of the floor, the 18 turnovers, that can't happen again. The Knicks have got to start taking care of the ball again. That was their MO offensively in the regular season. Um, but in this game, wow, we had some tough turnovers in this one. Uh, we gave away a lot of very crucial possessions. Uh, first quarter and the fourth quarter mainly. You, know, you had the back-to-back-to-back offensive fouls in the first quarter. Uh, you had R.J. Barrett in the fourth quarter. He was out there throwing lobs to Mitchell Robinson from the half court, which gave me anxiety. You had the R.J. Barrett five-second call in the uh, inbound play. You had You almost got an eight-second call. When we were going up court in the fourth quarter, it was like Brunson and somebody else had trouble getting it up. Um, so we got to clean up the turnovers. You're giving away possessions. It's very similar to second chance points where you're creating extra possessions. You need those possessions. Uh, the Yankees finally lose. Let me turn off the TV. Um, they suck. But after that first quarter for the Knicks where a lot of those 18 turnovers came from, seven turnovers in the first quarter. The Knicks changed the game for the better. And it was in that second quarter specifically where they turned it up. It was an ugly first quarter. They dropped it 24 points to 14. Looked sloppy, just like they had in the first three, uh, four games. But after that first quarter, the Knicks turned it around, and they outscored Miami 98-79. to and why were they so successful in that second quarter? They changed the pace of the game. That is what the Knicks need to keep doing. Up the tempo and play fast against this Heat team. You cannot let a team like Miami settle in defensively and get comfortable. You've got to make those old veteran players get out and run. You got to force them to scramble and make quick decisions. It takes them longer to set up this way. But the Knicks, they ran the full court game a lot more. They got out and ran. When the Knicks are in the half court, it's been pretty tough. Um, 
especially against Miami. It's it's we've had to work extra hard to get baskets and we're having difficult times generating open looks in the half court. But last night they were just much quicker even when they were in the half court at times the Knicks seemed like they were playing a lot quicker uh, because they had Brunson out there with them. They were getting into their sets a bit quicker and moving the ball more too. You had Obi Toppin cutting to the basket in the second quarter. But it's it's like how they responded to that Cleveland loss too. The same way. They got out and they started running and playing a lot quicker. The Knicks last night had 16 points in the fast break. They also had 23 assists and they shot 38% on their threes. So I attribute a lot of those numbers to playing quicker and making quicker decisions. Because Miami's going to continue to do what they've been doing. They're going to keep putting ball pressure on the Knicks. They've been doing that and it's made it very tough for the Knicks. It's why they had 18 turnovers. But the Knicks have to counter that with quick decisions both on and off the basketball. And I thought last night there were two really excellent examples on two very similar sequences of the Knicks handling Miami's ball pressure well and not so well in this game. On one instance, it was in the first quarter, R.J. Barrett throws an outlet to Julius. But instead of keeping it moving, Randall holds on to it and it allows Miami to settle in and eventually send a double onto him. That eventually forces a turnover, and I think Miami scores off it. So that was a bad example of the Knicks trying to beat ball pressure with quick and smart decisions. But then came the third quarter. You have the same exact thing, where RJ pushes the ball up to Randall. But this time, Randall makes a much quicker decision, and he attacks Kevin Love right away from the elbow, gets into the paint, and kicks it out to Grimes on the weak side, who swings it to Brunson, who's on the elbow, and he knocks down a three. So to me, it's going to be plays like that, which allow the Knicks to score on this Miami team much more efficiently. Quicker decision-making will be crucial. And obviously, you want to find that balance of playing fast and smart at the same time, which is difficult to do, but this is the playoffs. Everything's going to be difficult. Um, And one thing that I didn't like in Game 4, which we sort of shook up and adjusted on more last night, was attacking the right guys in the half court. The other night, Game 4, we had guys like, we had Josh Hart coming up to force Miami to switch the screen and get Butler and ISO. I mean, that made zero sense. But I think in order for the Knicks to have more success in one-on-one situations in the half court, you got to attack guys who don't play defense. you got to attack guys like Duncan Robinson and put him in action. You saw that early in the second quarter where Brunson switched on to him. And then he kicked it to RJ to force Duncan Robinson to close out from the weak side. Late third quarter, you had a little catch and go from RJ on the strong side baseline to put the Knicks up 17 points. Beats Robinson. Early in the fourth quarter, you had Obi Toppin screening for Brunson to force the trap. Duncan comes up and doubles, and then Brunson kicks to Obi Toppin, who Robinson was on, but Obi pops a three from the three-point line. Duncan Robinson, late closing out. So, you gotta make it a point of emphasis to attack guys like Duncan Robinson. They made it a point of emphasis to attack Kevin Love last night. 
There was a possession where Julius Randle looked like he was going to take a three-pointer. But then he saw Bam Adebayo closing out on him. So he chose to attack. And he attacks Kevin Love, who was in the center of the paint. You saw, I think it was in the first quarter, R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson put Kevin Love in a pick and roll. Make him defend. So those were all good things to see last night. Um, You just got to continue to attack the weaker defenders. And I think that's how your efficiency comes offensively. Go after the white guys. That's that's got to be the plan. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Tom Thibodeau. Because I feel like he's had both a good and bad series. He's had a lot of ups and downs. So I want to go over uh, some of what I liked and disliked from last night. When we return from break, stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey guys, so if you are a listener of the podcast often and you want to know where to find me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at BD4. You can find me on Twitter at BD4Pod. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you do there, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify, but you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 523 of BD4. The Knicks show life with a clutch Game 5 win last night at Madison Square Garden. Tom Thibodeau, I feel like he's had some good and bad moments. Um, last night, same thing. Uh, first off, I I, th- I guess we'll start with some good. I think the Quentin Grimes adjustment back into the starting lineup has helped the Knicks offensively. The spacing looks a lot better. The three-point shooting looks a lot better. Last night it did. And you could tell the the driving lanes were more open because you didn't have Josh Hart's man just help off the corners this time. Actually, I thought a great example of that, um, you know, if you really don't believe in, in spacing and shit like that, all you had to do was look at Brunson's first basket of the game. He's coming up the court on the left side. And you've got Quentin Grimes in the strong side corner with Struess on him. If Josh Hart is out there over Grimes and Josh Hart's in the corner, when Brunson drives, Hart's man is just going to help off of him and, and try to stop Brunson in penetration. But with Grimes out there, Struess has to play up on Grimes and it gives Jalen Brunson the open lane to get to the basket and score. So I thought that was just a perfect example right out the gate. Showing us the difference of spacing when you've got Josh Josh Hart out on the floor versus the starting unit with Quentin Grimes. Um, I will say that in in Game 6, I think what we should try doing more with Josh Hart to maybe get him going again is using him in DHO and not as a spacer. You know, it, it could be a possible situation to get him going and beat the way Miami's defending him in the half court. Um, use him in action. You know, and it, here's something different. Um, this was good because we saw Hart struggle. 
We saw Julius struggle at times in this game. And we know that Tibbs has his guys, right, who in the past he's hell-bent on throwing out there no matter what. But not last night. He sat what did not work. And one of his guys, Randall, was not playing well early on. So what did Tibbs do? He sits Randall in the second quarter. Randall played just a total of three minutes in the second quarter after playing the entire first. Which for Tibbs, playing Randall three minutes in a quarter is very noticeable because it's different from his norm. That second quarter run the Knicks went on, it was without Julius. So he sat him. And with Josh Hart. Josh Hart, listen, right now, he looks a little lost out there. A bit unhinged, worrying about the officials. And, you know, he looks a little shook. He's fouling a lot. Not focused. You know, his game is grabbing rebounds and leading transition offense. But he's not been doing that. So what does Tibbs do? Hart didn't have it last night. He only got nine minutes. He rode the guys who would make an impact. So I credit him for that. Because that's something he, you know, he's gotten criticism for in the past. Uh, and, and speaking of minutes, I, I'll tell you right now, I had no issue, absolutely none, with Tibbs playing Brunson and Grimes for all 48 minutes in this game. Uh, I mean, w- w- with the minutes police, man, my gosh, some of you guys are soft. This was a goddamn elimination game. It was, it was an elimination do-or-die game. What are you resting for? Golf? The Cancun trip? Gonna meet up with the Cavs? Like, in game four, we were complaining literally about the way the offense looked in that second quarter when neither Brunson or Randall were out there on the floor. Last night, we didn't have to have that concern because Tibbs went with his best the entire time. Anything has to be on the table. To live another day, you've got to have anything on the table. Also, we're in 2023 here. We've got modern medicine, technology. These guys are getting around-the-clock treatment in between games and shit. In between possessions. In between uh, minutes, like timeouts, dead balls. They're getting treatment when they're on and off the floor. So, I had no issue with that. And, and if you care about winning... You should not have a single issue as well with those guys playing 48 minutes. Now, some of the downfalls of Thibodeau is, well, I don't want to call it a downfall, but at times it could be a negative. Is You know, I've got this love-hate relationship all season with the with Thibodeau's defensive coverages. You know, with the drop defense and the pick and roll and the, the three-point coverage. Listen, Miami has been hot the entire postseason from three. But they're also not a great three-point shooting team overall, statistically. So there's a struggle with me with whether or not I like his heavy paint protection defense or not. Because we leave guys wide open a lot. So it comes down to what you're a believer in. Making Miami prove their legitimacy from three-point land. And not just showing that they're not just hot. Versus accepting it. And shaking up coverages to tighten up on the arc. You know, and, and it's it's tough. Because um, I'm sitting there last night and I'm watching Duncan Robinson being left wide open very often. Uh, the Knicks were helping off of Duncan Robinson and they were over committing on the drive. 
So it, it just it felt like Miami was kicking it weak side to him every single time, and he was knocking it down. Um, it happened with Brunson a few times throughout the night, first quarter, fourth quarter it happened again. You had the possession in the third quarter where Miami was getting out in transition. Nobody picked up Duncan Robinson. Uh, early fourth quarter, Josh Hart is standing on a weak side elbow, and Duncan Robinson is in that corner. Hart's late closing out. Duncanson already, uh, Duncan Robinson already gets the shot out by the time Hart arrives. It's a tough scheme. It's a it's a hit or miss scheme. I think that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, but last night Miami only shot the ball thirty percent from three. Love was zero for seven. Vincent was zero for three. Lowry was two for eight. Um, although those two he did hit were some back breaking triples. Uh, but yeah, those three guys combined to shoot eleven percent on their threes last night. All right. Um, now now one thing. The Knicks have to tighten up on, and this is more on the players than it is Tom Thibodeau, is just staying disciplined. There were some times where, maybe outside of Butler, they were biting on a lot of fakes. And when Miami makes the pass on the perimeter, it causes them to scramble on their rotations. They've struggled a lot with Miami's off-ball screen actions, chasing movement shooters like Duncan Robinson at his hips and you know, just staying disciplined and not biting on simple ball fakes. Um, I do think that Tibbs needs to stop putting Brunson onto Struess. That's not an assignment that's favored him this series. He's just leaving him wide open way too many times. He does not guard him at times. Like, he doesn't, he's not even on the same side of the floor. Sometimes he'll be helping all the way on the strong side of the floor. Or he's getting ran through his screen. It's just, it's not working, and it hasn't worked the entire round. So I think you need to stop putting Brunson onto Max Struess. It's a maddening thing to watch, and it's really frustrating to me for me to sit there and watch the same thing happen over and over, and we get no adjustment. Um, I will say, back to some good, I did appreciate the way the Knicks defended Jimmy Butler last night. Um, They simplified their coverages. They didn't really overcommit to the double. They stayed home. They stuck rhymes with him most of the night, and they made him work. When Butler got into the paint, you saw the Knicks stay disciplined on him. Didn't bite on his fakes or anything like that. You know, kind of stonewalled him a few times. And when Butler was on the perimeter, they didn't double. That helped the Knicks win the glass because instead of bringing multiple guys up from underneath the basket... You're keeping them there for the rebounds. And that's the way it needs to be when you've got an elite one-on-one defender on the on the roster in Quentin Grimes. you got to trust your guys. So I thought Grimes did a nice job. He was on Butler most of the night. Butler, 19 points only last night, 5 of 12 shooting. So he was held very quiet. Um, The Knicks are going to need their bench eventually, man. You know, we've talked about this before. Unfortunately, Quentin, uh, not Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel quickly has been, I mean, I got, he, he, he must be really, really hurt. He must be so hurt that it like, like he's got some real bad pain and he's in agony when it stands up because if it's not that, then he's being pretty soft. Um, but uh, he's already out for tomorrow, or doubtful. Same shit. Um, 
But yeah, he's been awful all playoffs. He's been terrible. And they need him. Uh, Josh Hart, we spoke on him, needs to find it again and get back to his game. He's such an important part to this team. Um, I actually found it pretty impressive. The Knicks dropped 16 points in the fast break last night, and Josh Hart wasn't really a factor. Um, Hartenstein's been fine. Um, Obi needs to start knocking down those three-pointers again, man. He looks so good in Cleveland. But, you know, the bench was so bad last night. Obi Toppin was like the guy I'm going to have to give the game ball to because he was the least shitty. So I'm going to Obi Toppin. Bing bang. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do anything crazy. Two points. Um, but he had a big second quarter to help get this team going. That lob that he threw down from Jalen Brunson in the second quarter was kind of the start of that gigantic, it was an 18-2 or something like that, 18-2 run. Um, it helped Madison Square Garden start roaring again after a terrible first quarter, gets the building riled up with that lob, and he was out there attacking the glass too. He was attacking rebounds, jumping high for him, straight up pursuing them. He ended up grabbing six rebounds in 12 minutes of action. So I thought Obi Toppin was the least shitty bench player last night. You can make a case Hartenstein was... was that guy, but whatever. Um, And going back to the starting unit, if we're on the topic of giving out game balls, I mean, who but Jalen Brunson? Bing bang. Jalen Brunson, man. 38 points last night, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, by the way. 12 of 22 shooting, 4 of 10 from 3, and 10 of 12 from the free throw line. He looked excellent once again. Coming through clutch consistently for this team all playoffs. He's playing his ass off. I mean, this kid has a bad ankle. And he went out there last night. Played every single minute, every single second. 48 minutes. And he still dropped damn near 40 points on 55% shooting. (laughs) It's awesome. It's awesome. It's something you got to respect. He's so good at scoring the ball at any level he wants to get to. He's really good at getting that lead shoulder in there on his drives. He gets that right past the defender. And then from there, he barrels his way to the hoop, finishes through contact with that floater. That's his thing. Did that on Kyle Lowry in the fourth quarter where he blew right by him, right by him in ISO, knocks down the floater. He may have knocked it down at the rim. I don't remember, but... I just remember getting him getting by defenders so easily and just using his craft. doesn't have to be super fast. He's very nifty and elusive. And of course, he was knocking down clutch baskets as well. My favorite shot of the night came from Brunson in the fourth quarter. Comes off a of Mitchell Robinson screen and he pulls up for three over Jimmy Butler. I think at that point in the game, the Heat were within four points. So it was comforting to see Brunson kind of give the Knicks their momentum back and put them up seven. But he's he's just been unbelievable, man. And he's, he's been coming through for the majority of the postseason. Really all playoffs long. He's been, I mean, he scored at least 20 points in each game. And they say good players play well in the playoffs, but the great ones rise and play better. So Brunson is, is that guy. I mean, he's averaging 27 points per game in this playoffs. <laughs> and efficiently. 
I mean, let's go through the list here. I've got it in front of me. Game one of the Cleveland series. We'll start there, and we're going to go down the list here. 27 points, 46% shooting. 20 points, 29%. 21 points, 56%. 29 points, 50%. 23 points, 36%. 25 points, 48%. 30 points, 53%. 20 points, 35%. 32 points, 48%. And 38 points, 55% last night. Consistent. Just excellent. He's their leader. This is why you go out and get a guy like Brunson. He's unequivocally their best player. And it's laughable how far he is from Randall as a leader. And that's showing up this postseason. And I love it. Um, But Randall did play better last night. So I'll give him credit for that. You know, it came through big in the final sequence, uh, as did Mitchell Robinson knocking down those hack and Mitch free throws. Um, but when Randall's active, he's good. When he's making plays defensively, getting to the basket, drawing contact, rebounding, that's when he's good. So the Knicks have to keep this guy engaged. He's got to keep himself engaged. I mean, shit, we're talking to him like he's some child. He's got to man up and keep himself and do it himself. Engage. He's got to stay engaged. He's got to keep his own ass into the game. And I'm hoping we get a breakout game soon. Tomorrow. Soon. Because we're due. We're due for a breakout Julius Randle game. We really are. We've had some decent ones this postseason. Still not many. But we haven't had a breakout I'm here game. I'm talking about a 35-40 point outburst from him where he isn't missing he's drawing fouls left and right he's grabbing those offensive rebounds off his own miss jump shots falling we need that I don't think we have a a shot if he keeps shooting poorly and he's he's giving up baskets on the other end the body language is poor and he's throwing up his hands after a turnover or a bad foul or he's blaming his teammates we get that guy we're done we need Randall to show up Big time. A guy who has been showing up and playing really nice basketball, R.J. Barrett is displaying some outstanding consistency himself. And I am very happy to see this. And again, anybody who still wants R.J. Barrett off this Knicks team after seeing him come through this playoffs time after time, again, is out of their minds right now. Because that's all that matters. If you want him gone, that means you prioritize... The regular season more than meaningless basketball. I mean, morning more than meaningful basketball. So I I I am I've got my own rule. If you you perform in the playoffs, you're welcome back that next year. But yeah, talk about consistency though. And ever since those first two Cleveland games to start the playoffs, he has found a rhythm. He's been performing at such a high level. In seven of his last eight games. RJ has shot 47% or better. So he he's remaining very aggressive, finishing at the basket, knocking down jump shots, the free throws. RJ has been really good. He's he's flashing his entire bag right now. You know, he's he, earlier in his career I was comparing him to some players I I gave him some Jalen Brown comparisons, DeMar DeRozan. Um, Jimmy Butler was one of the guys I compared him to. 
just the style of, of scoring. And there was a possession where RJ showed us some Jimmy Butler flashes where he had Kyle Lowry on him in the mid post and he made a very Butler-esque move. He attacked Lowry in triple threat, got to the rim on a blow-by from the mid post. It was a really good-looking finish too. Um, so you see it. And you're seeing it all displayed at once right now this postseason. He's been very sharp. Going to the basket and it seems like it's an automatic finish. The touch is back. I have confidence. I have a lot of confidence again when I see RJ get close to the basket. It's a great feeling to have. And he's been doing this against Jimmy Butler too, by the way. He blew by him a few times this round. He's defending him very well too. He had the block in the third quarter. Right? Where he returned the favor. But you also had in the third quarter, RJ turns it over, but he stays in the play, sprints down to the other end of the floor, and he defends Jimmy Butler's floater to force the miss, and that leads to a transition bucket for the Knicks. So, I, this kid's playing really smart, really solid ball. I said heading into the playoffs, RJ Barrett's going to be their X Factor. That if R.J. Barrett's knocking down his shots, and if he's being efficient, the Knicks will have a good postseason. And he's literally been doing that, being the definition of an X-Factor. Both he and Quentin Grimes, I said. And shout out also to Quentin Grimes for the play of the night. Talk about, wow, talk about New York grit. Watch that play again. If you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's in the fourth quarter. The Knicks are up seven. There's about eight minutes and change remaining. RJ gets trapped in the backcourt. He throws up to Grimes, but Grimes loses it. But Miami slows it down the half court. Somehow Grimes falls down. He gets hurt, and he was hurt real bad. Hobbling around, could barely walk. He was in pain. But he gets back up, and he's on Jimmy Butler. The Heat recognize that Grimes is in pain, so they target him with Jimmy Butler. But Grimes stays with the play, beats Jimmy going right twice, and then he rips him, and that leads to a Knicks transition opportunity. It was some impressive shit. If the Knicks somehow come back and win this series, which again, I I don't know that they will, but if they do, that's got to be a play that we look back on in the 2023 highlight montage. You know, like one of those motivational facing adversity but coming out on top moments that they show in those highlight reels? That's going to be one of them. It's got potential, if the Knicks win the series only, to be you know Willis Reed coming out the tunnel hype. It was just... It was a really good portrayal of who the Knicks are this year. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I mean all in all, it was a good win. Um... I wish we could play at the Garden every night. <laughs> you know, the Stars were out in full force once again last night. I mean, I I love John Starks. He's into it, man. <laughs> he is, this dude's into it. He's out there screaming, cheering, pointing. He's on his feet clapping, yelling out there, man. It's hilarious. He's in full fanboy mode right now. It's It's really cool to see. Clyde was there last night. That was nice to see. It's great seeing all these Knicks legends in the building for these games. It really is. I don't even remember seeing that um, back in not only 2021, but even 2013. Like, 
I feel like everybody's out supporting this Knicks team. And maybe that's why the Knicks are 4-1 and one at the Garden this playoffs. So much for the whole we can't win at the Garden bullshit. I've always hated that narrative. But it was really it was really cool. It was also pretty funny because you saw John Starks and then they panned the camera right next to him. You got the Jonas Brothers sitting there. It's just a very interesting combo. I wonder what those conversations were. Um, but, hey, we'll see. You got to take it one game at a time. Um, cliche. I had Miami. I had Miami winning this in six going into the series. I unfortunately still think that may be the case, but we'll see. You never know. You win one more game if they find a way to steal this one in Miami. Then you got Game Seven going back to the Garden, and you cannot imagine Miami wants that. Miami is not going to feel comfortable. But you could say that the Knicks could be the favorite if they find a way to steal Game Six. Because they not they, you know the garden is going to erupt if the Knicks find a way to get it to seven. But I don't want to jump too far ahead. I'm just saying, you win tomorrow, anything can happen. But tomorrow is is huge. It's huge for me. I've I am a diehard Nick fan, and this is gonna feel like Yankees Houston to me. Uh, I think it was maybe back in 2019. I had the same type of scared shitless out of my mind because in I think it was 2019 yet Yankees Astros the Yankees were on the brink of elimination it was also game six they were trying to force a game seven to go to the game seven of the ALCS DJ LeMay hits this huge home run to tie the game in the top of the ninth inning and you're I'm on my feet I'm screaming I'm I ran in the street we're all celebrating I'm hugging my best friend my cousin I'm hugging I'm just thrilled and then the bottom of the ninth comes Chapman gives up the home run to you know the midget um except Miami doesn't cheat so they just play good ball but yeah I have that same type of nervousness that stress the anxiety that's going through my body right now that's what I feel like Yankees use in 2019 very similar vibe to Knicks heat 2023 um but yeah, I, I can't lie to you. I had zero hope, zero urgency to watch this game after seeing what happened in Game 4. But I got home from work. A bunch of my buddies were texting me, all hopeful. Kind of got me into that mood again. I threw the game on. Now I've got this false hope, which I did not want. God damn it. But that's being a fan. You trick yourself into believing again, right? Um. So we'll see what happens. But um, I think that's going to be it. Nothing too crazy in this episode. Uh, I know I missed the last two episodes for the Knicks, but, you know, the two horrible losses. I I needed a break. Um, but, again, I got to try to level head myself here and, and realize that the Knicks were expected to win 38, 39 games and maybe touch the 10th seed. And we're about to go to game six of the second round. So, whatever happens, this team is playing with house money this year and... Next year is going to be the year where we have legitimate expectations. So I think it's important that we all see that. But still, I want to fucking win. I hate the Heat. I hate their guts. I hate Spolstra. I hate Butler. I hate them all right now. I hate them all every every year. They're the Heat. You can't be a Knicks fan and not despise the Heat with a burning passion. So let's see what happens tomorrow. We'll head to our final break, get back, and then we'll wrap it up with our trivia. That'll be that. Stay with us. Be right there.
We also have a website now for BD4. If you go to bd4blog.com, you can find the blog, the podcast links, and also where to find me on social media. Just go to bd4blog.com. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right, welcome back to the show, episode 523. You're listening to, or maybe watching, BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's wrap this up with our NYY, NYK, MMA trivia question of the day, and then that will be that. Let's get to it. All right, so for this episode, our trivia question for episode 523 is, Jalen Brunson is now one of four Knicks to score 30-plus points three times in a single playoff round. Who were the other three? Jalen Brunson is now one of four Knicks to score 30-plus points three times in in a single playoff round. Who were the other three? I hate questions like this where you got like four fucking things to remember. Um, but I saw this online somewhere and I figured I'd use it for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> it's just annoying to read. But one final time, episode 523, our trivia for you. Jalen Brunson is now one of four Knicks to score 30 plus points three times in a single playoff series. Who were the other three? So let me know the answer if you know it. It's been floating around the internet after that game, so you probably do know it. If you're on social media. Well, if you're on social media. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably on social media. All right, that's it. I appreciate you stopping by episode 523 in the books. The Knicks clutch up in game five. Now we got a game six. We got to go to South Beach. MSG 2.0, MSG South, whatever you want to call it, and try to find a way to force a Game 7. And if that's the case, anything is up for grabs. But we got to do that first. So, it's not going to be easy. I'm trying to keep my expectations low. But man, I tell you, if we can figure out a way, holy shit, it's going to be nuts. So let's see. Later. Thank you for coming by. And I'll see you then. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.